Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wyrock. I am joined once again, actually, by both of my other hosts. I have Matthew Betts and then Okada. You've decided to swing by here. How are you doing I, today? I did. I'm still alive. Uh, people who've been listening to me hacking up lungs for the past couple of weeks might not realize it or believe it, but I'm here and I'm rearing to go and I'm glad to be back. Yeah, Okada, it's good to have you back, man, because uh, I'm not going to lie, me and Kent. Our voices were getting a little raspy, and uh, our backs have been sore from just carrying this team so much. So it's <laughs> oh, it's good to have you back, man. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say Okada is is so sick. I think I'm gonna get it through the podcast. That's it's yeah, just sent through the airways and, and vague. But yeah, but uh, anyway, we're all back in action here. We're excited to talk a little bit about what happened in Week Four. Looking on to Week Five, uh, your NFL, well, your fantasy regular season is like a third done. So. Uh, you got to keep working hard and keep getting those guys on waivers and doing your start sits correctly. Uh, we're going to be in playoffs in no time. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move on here. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, we got some uh, key pieces of news we could talk about here today. I think one of the major ones that popped up recently was Le'Veon Bell announced that he's going to be returning to the team following, uh, or, or actually not following, but during the team's week seven bye in hopes to play in week eight. Uh, I, are you guys excited about this? I mean, do you have Bell and you want to start him right away? Or I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about this? What? Uh, I don't, I don't have too much of Bell, so I can't be too personally excited. I did throw out a Red Shirts report video yesterday, um, about this, so you can check that out for more of my exact thoughts. Also, I will say this, I did just get a blurb notification, uh, sort of thing that said that the Eagles were, are still a serious contender to get Bell in Woo! the trade. Let's go. And they have, hmm. yeah, the, the Steelers have said that, that wow. he's still on the market, so... I still personally don't believe it's realistic, although if there's a team that might do it, it would probably be someone like the Eagles, who is a legitimate Super Bowl contender that needs a bell. Uh, and and all their running backs seem to be questionable exactly. every given week. So I'll tell you guys what, if Chip Kelly was still the head coach, this deal would have been done like three weeks ago. Uh, he plays <laughs> he definitely plays fantasy football, that's for sure. The way he makes makes trades and deals. Um uh, but Okada, if you don't mind, fill our listeners in on what the red shirts report uh, is because that's new for the three of us and for the red shirts. So what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of a little thing, a midweek or uh, post Thursday or even pre Thursday sort of method we've come up with to get you guys important uh, fantasy information. Sometimes or most of the time it'll be related to news. So in this case, for example, we got the news Le'Veon Bell had reported that he would be coming back. So we gave you guys a quick shout out on that. Uh, on Saturdays, I believe, Bet, you're going to be doing an injury-related specific redshirts report. So that's going to be a big one to look for if you've got guys that have the questionable tag. So check those out. You can search Twitter for the uh, the hashtag redshirts report uh, or just keep an eye on the account. Yeah, let's so let's move on to uh, the next piece of news here we got. 
uh, keep track of those red shirts reports as things pop up over the week. But we have a couple people coming back from suspension this week. We have Julian Edelman and Mark Ingram being the big ones. There's also Robert Turbin, if you guys care about that at all. But um, the two main ones are Edelman and Ingram. So uh, which of these two are you more excited about? Let's let's start with bets. I would say of the two, I think for me, I'm more excited about Julian Edelman. I think that given what he has been for so many years for Tom Brady, uh, I don't really have many concerns about him slotting right back into that role. As far as why I'm so excited about him, I always like to see guys coming back from a major injury, and I look forward to seeing how they do. So uh, Edelman was a guy who, throughout the training camp and preseason process, was looking awesome coming back from his ACL surgery. Um, So I'm excited to see what he can do for this offense, which honestly has not been the Patriots that we all know and that Okada loves in terms of the offensive explosion. So they need Edelman to get that that passing attack going a little more, uh, and I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Ingram on this one, partially because I have a little more personal ownership of him, and partially because I think he's a little bit more impactful for fantasy than Edelman. Both should be every week starters, but I think Ingram returns to a similar role to what he had last year when he was an RB one. Ingram has showed out so well that I mean, sorry, Kamara has showed out so well that Ingram, now that he's back, may not have quite the role he did. We'll see. But I still think he's going to be a every week RB2 kind of uh, starter. You know, the one interesting wrinkle about the Saints uh, that I think not many people are talking about is how much worse the defense is this year compared to last year. You know, they were looking like a really nice young uh, kind of budding defense and they played really well last year and that played into Ingram's favor a little bit more. But the fact of the matter is, is they are just giving up yards left and right. And frankly, that could mean a little bit more Camara than last year, which uh, if we're true, that would be outstanding for him and those who drafted him. I've, I've been one to say he's maybe ranked a little too high, but at this point, I don't know. I think he's shown that uh, without Ingram, he's certainly uh, an incredible talent and he's getting an insane amount of targets, but uh, that could keep up. I mean, he could still be a pure pass catcher, like zero rushes and be an RB, you know, one you know, maybe two at worst. I mean, in, in, in any given week. So it's interesting. It's just, it's uh, certainly a little different than last year. Yeah, at this point, then he would average just 25 points a game instead of the ridiculous like 35 or whatever it's been. Yeah. Uh, it's been absolutely unreal what that guy's been doing. I am excited, excited about Ingram to come back, though, because it's a good tandem and pretty much unstoppable. So they're fun to watch. Let's move on to a couple of coach quotes. We're going to talk about first Nick Chubb. Uh, Apparently Hugh Jackson decides that Nick Chubb has to get the ball more. Um, I'm just curious, does Hugh Jackson know that he's in charge of that? I mean, like, he doesn't have to ask anyone else for it. He can just decide it, right? I'm I'm pretty sure he can. He says things like this a lot. He's a very confused man. Yeah. I don't get these NFL coaches, man. Like, Literally, like you said, they are in charge of the team. So if you want someone to get more touches, do it. Like, I don't understand why it doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, man, this this is a, a Hugh Jackson-ism here for sure. Uh, I don't know that I think it's actually going to happen. Carlos Hyde has been getting a ton of work. Um, and for fantasy, he's been awesome. So I don't know that it really changes much uh, for me personally. I, I spoke to... Sorry, I spoke to Hyde being kind of inefficient with his opportunities, even though he was getting a lot of of uh, you know opportunities. I uh, 
I was kind of expecting Chubb to get used a little bit more. I think now there's really no reason you shouldn't be able to split the carries up a little bit. I mean, Hyde can be good on 10 carries and a couple of receptions. You don't need to give him the ball 20-plus times. Uh, and he's obviously good for getting into the end zone. So keep him for that and try and use Chubb for some more breakaway-type uh, runs between the 20s, and I think they have a good backfield. I uh, I did some quick research. I can't remember the exact number of players with 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns, but I believe it was 359 in the history of the NFL. More times it has happened, but th- 359 players, and Nick Chubb's the only one to do it on less than four carries. Oh, my goodness. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah. That's crazy. And before we move on, Kent, just want to point out for our listeners, let's not forget – what Hugh Jackson said all offseason last year and all training camp leading into it about Isaiah Crowell. Um, he was going to be the guy. He was going to get a ton of work, and it just never happened. So uh, for me, this is a, a wait-and-see kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the waiver pod. Nick Chubb has looked awesome with the limited opportunities gotten. So definitely excited for his NFL future for sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to another little bit of coach speak. We're talking about Matt Patricia this time of the Lions. Uh, he's talking about on Johnson and kind of in an inverse version of the the other quote we have. They said that on Johnson is he's comfortable with the number of carries he's getting and that it's likely going to be a continuation of the blunt carry-on and theoretic trifecta, except not really, not really effecta, just a try. So um, that's not exciting if you're a carry-on owner. No, it and this one might even be dumber if that's possible, then Hughes, because Carrion Johnson is looks incredible, and LeGarrette Blunt looks awful. Like At least Carlos Hyde is doing something, and Nick Chubb is not obviously going to be averaging 30 yards per carry or whatever it is he's doing now. So I can see the mix there, but but in Detroit, it should be all Carrion, and Patricia's got to figure this out. You know what the issue is, Okada? It's, he came uh, from the Legarrette, Patriots. Is that it? Yeah, it's Legarrette Blunt and Matt Patricia, uh, just being best friends. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't see this changing much, honestly, with the fact that uh, they have that connection, and he's gonna want to feed him the ball at least uh, a decent amount throughout the the game. But yeah, I mean, it's obvious if you have two eyeballs and you've watched any Lions football, you understand, you know who the best back is in that backfield, and it's without a doubt, Carry On Johnson. Are people with one eyeball allowed to make comments on this situation? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> okay, good. All right, let's let's move on to some injuries. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. We've got a uh, a showcase of injuries we're going to talk about this week. Unfortunately, um, first things first, let's go on to talking about the Thursday night game. It's been announced already that T. Y. Hilton is out for this game. And uh, Rob Gronkowski also has an ankle injury. Which which of these two? Uh, well, obviously Hilton being out is not good, so uh, I would assume that's the worst one. But what's up with Rob Gronkowski and his ankle issue? Yeah, the exact kind of injury that he's dealing with is pretty unclear at this point. Uh, but he did enter last week on the injury report, questionable with an ankle injury. The team all along has been saying it's not very serious. Um, there's a chance that he potentially could have come back in and played more last week when they were blowing out the Dolphins. But because of the fact that they were up so much, I think that they just kind of held him out for a precautionary reason. However, I will say I am a little more concerned than I thought I was going to be heading into the Thursday night game because of the fact uh, that Gronk didn't participate in the walkthrough yesterday, 
which is very unusual for um, a minor injury. Obviously, the walkthrough is very you know low level. There's not much going on. So that's definitely a bit of a concern. I will say, though, he did return to a limited practice today. Uh, this is going to be shaping up to more of a game time decision for sure. Yeah, and uh, are there any passing options on the Colts offense that you think uh, stand out a little bit with the absence of T.Y. Hilton? Okada, what do you think? Yeah, I think we're going to talk about the main one of them a little bit later, so I won't spoil that. But if you're looking for a particular receiver, I prefer Ryan Grant. I think his floor is higher. His upside may not be quite as high, but he should get a decent number of catches in what should be a high-throwing game for Luck. Awesome. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the, the Hilton injury here, Betts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one that reports came out that he was limping in the locker room afterwards and uh, definitely in a lot of pain and soreness, so no surprise that he's out for this game. And the fact that he didn't do anything at all throughout the week um, tells you all you need to know. These hamstring injuries, as we've seen with multiple players, can linger for multiple weeks. Uh, so the fact that he was rolled out early on in the week with this being a Thursday night game, tells you that it's probably going to be a multi-week type of injury. Uh, we won't know much more until practice reports come out a week from tonight, which we record on Wednesdays. Uh, so definitely going to be a multi-week injury here and um, something to monitor moving forward for sure. All right, let's move on to the next little piece of injury news here. We're going to talk about Leonard Fournette, who's been battling a hamstring injury. Uh, and now it's recently been announced that he's likely going to be out two to four weeks, it sounds like. And uh, this has been a really sketchy situation the whole time. Leonard Fournette owners are very unhappy. But uh, what does this mean as far as his availability for the rest of the year? Yeah, we saw Fournette come back last week and uh, re-aggravate the same hamstring injury that he injured in week one. Initially, the reports came out saying that this is going to be more severe than his original injury was, meaning that the aggravation, oftentimes we see this in, in rehab all the time, it sets you back multiple weeks. So uh, this is not a linear progression in terms of his return to the field. Uh, I put this out on Twitter today that I firmly believe that Fournette will be out until at least the team's week nine by uh, putting him back during week 10 at the earliest. So uh, we talked about it, Kent, on the waiver show. If somehow TJ Yeldon is out there and someone didn't grab him on waivers, add him immediately. And uh, I don't know if you guys all remember, but if you listen to our running back sleepers pod, I mentioned a certain TJ Yeldon and I men mentioned a certain Leonard Fournette's lower body injury history. So hopefully you've had Yeldon already. And if you don't, like Bet said, definitely get him because he should be a starter for the next several weeks. Yeah, I, I outbid a guy by $1 uh, on the on the one league where he was available for me. He was pissed. I'm actually a commissioner of that league, so he's like, could you see the bids? I was like, no, trust me, that is not a thing. I just got extremely lucky on outbidding you. Feels and, bad. Uh, what did you bid better. on? Uh, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it was $32. Ooh. Okay, yeah. Nice. On a $100 so I budget. Had, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had to give up a significant chunk, but I believe that's going to be a starting running back for – you know, three plus weeks. So I have to at least give something there. So let's, uh, yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about OJ Howard who sprained his MCL. And we talked about this a little bit on the waiver pod, but, uh, we can talk about it here a little bit more extensively, likely out two to four weeks. Um, yeah, sprained MCL suck. I had one, but, uh, tell me how this is going to affect him uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah, fortunately for uh, O.J. Howard and the Bucks, they go on bye this week, so uh, there's no 
no sweat about him missing this week because the entire team is going to miss this week. Uh, when he, they come back off by, there's a good chance he will not be available. Um, and we've seen, you know, these MCL injuries with Doug Baldwin too, that uh, it takes a little bit of time to get back into your full um, working capacity and your full tolerance to do things that involve cutting on the knee and changing direction and slowing down and speeding up and those kind of things that are, you know, higher level movements. Uh, so this is going to be something that's going to be a multi-week injury. He's going to rehab it the entire bye week and then probably the week after that. I would say he's back in somewhere in the range of that three to four week mark. Um, and in those games that he will miss, Cameron Brait will fill in and start for the Bucks at tight end. Yeah, Cameron Brake strikes me as uh, someone who's kind of exciting with Winston coming back. So, um, Okada, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on this situation. I 100% agree with that. I am really was sad to see this because I was hoping to see a big break effort for Howard because of the way Winston likes to target his tight ends. But this is actually even better for Brait than it would have been for Howard because now there's only one guy. And I honestly will probably be looking at Brait as a top five to six tight end every week that Winston is starting and Howard is not. Yeah, Would you guys actually, add Cameron Brait now going into the bye week and stash him, or is he something, someone that you think you could probably get coming off the bye next week? Well, I think you're going to have to, to be perfectly honest. Um, stash him early? Yeah, if you don't stash him now, someone else is going to scoop him up. So uh, it depends on your tight end situation, as always. You know, if you Which is almost streaming. guaranteed crap. Exactly, yeah. It's pretty awful out there. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that I had out the other day, but... Uh, did you know that Jordan Leggett was a tight end one this last week? I did not. I, I, I ran <laughs> a poll. Nor did I know what uh, team he was on, which is the exactly. poll Exactly. I, I ran a poll. Uh, I put Texans, Jets, Dolphins, and Giants as the potential options. Luckily, 67% of the people got it right. It was the Jets, but uh, it's still pretty gross, and that, that's a sizable chunk of people that didn't even know who that was. Uh, and that just goes to show you how bad the tight end situation is this year. But uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Joe Mixon. He's potentially returning from his uh, little knee cleanup surgery. Uh, Marvin Lewis is being coy. He's saying, we'll see. But I I'd say that they try and get him back, especially considering that Giovanni Bernard is a little bit banged up himself. So um, I don't know. what what Bets, is there any like issue with him coming back early from this minor surgery? Uh, no, there really isn't much in terms of a concern for re-injury or aggravation uh, when he comes back. Of course, he'll have to kind of get more acclimated to getting back into the game and uh, the speed of the game and the rigors of going through a full game and a full workload. Uh, but as far as a re-injury from his scope, which was done to take out a piece of the meniscus, there is not much more risk of re-injury in the short term. Uh, so if he's available this week, I do expect him to pretty much slot right back in uh, as the team's you know workhorse back, especially like you mentioned, Gio Bernard listed on the injury report with a knee injury. Uh, it's not expected to be serious for Gio, um, but regardless of who is out there, this is going to be a fantastic start again because we've seen both of these guys be super effective when they get uh, a decent amount of work. So if Mixon should, for whatever reason, sit, Gio again slots in as an RB1 and vice versa. Yeah, and I don't think there's any reason for them to really practice Geo much this week because they do want to be safe with him and make sure that they have at least like two healthy running backs playing in this game if for some reason Mixon can't go. So uh, Geo not practicing will not uh, be an indicator of him not receiving a full workload this week if he is the lead running back. So there's a lot of kind of you know pieces of that coming together, but we'll wait and see, I suppose, what the practice reports look like. 
Well, it's looking like Devonta Freeman will return to the Atlanta Falcons uh, this week. So uh, that's according to the head coach, Dan Quinn. And, you know, this team has been okay with Tevin Coleman being the lead guy and Edo Smith has been kind of playing that second fiddle role pretty well. Uh, but Devonta Freeman is definitely uh, a dynamic piece. He would be helpful back in this offense, uh, who's been really strong lately, but uh, they've been injured on defense and given up a lot of points. So it's uh, high-flying games for the Falcons coming up here. Yeah, and the fortunate thing for uh, Devonta Freeman is that he did get in a limited practice today, so it, it, it is looking like he will suit up this Sunday. It's the first time he's practiced in about three weeks, so um, he obviously will have some rust. He will obviously still have limitations in his practice reports throughout the week. I think that as long as he gets in a limited practice on Friday, he will go ahead and suit up uh, for their Week 5 matchup. And unless you've got James Conner and some other miracle running back one that you've picked up, you're pretty much going to have to start Freeman, so I think you're you're plugging him into your lineups unless there's really bad reports. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping he just comes back in a form. He's had you know plenty of time off. Granted, you know the injury was semi severe, but uh, when you have a guy like Tevin Coleman waiting in the wings, you can afford to maybe sit Freeman an additional week and make sure he's fully healthy. So I, I would believe if he plays, he's startable as well. All right, let's talk about a couple of quick hitters real quick. Uh, Will Disley, the tight end for the Seattle Seahawks, who was kind of a surprise you know, fantasy asset, has torn his patellar tendon, so he's going to be out for the remainder of the year. We expect Nick Vanette to likely pick up the passing work uh, in the tight end position there, but still not super exciting. You know, maybe a bit of flash, but uh, Tyler Eifert fractured, fracture dislocated, Okay, what does this mean, Betts? Because <laughs> I heard he I heard he broke his ankle, so maybe you know a little bit more than I do. Yeah, and basically the bones that make up the ankle, it's formed by three bones. Um, and whenever one of them is fractured in a certain way, it can cause a dislocation basically of the joints that those three bones make up. So in the medical field, they call it a fracture dislocation, kind of like a, a hyphenated word. Um, so he had a fracture dislocation of his right ankle, with a lot of ligament damage uh, and some broken bones. So uh, regardless of what's what's going on with his injury, uh, he is going to go undergo surgery, and he is out for the year. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched that play, but it was pretty gnarly when it happened. I mean, that, that foot was like sideways on the on the uh, gridiron there. Yeah, yeah I'm unless at... Unless you've got uh, a really strong stomach, don't, don't look it up. No, I'm, yeah. I'm at the NFL Network on Sundays, and everybody around me is watching the games, and there was an audible collection of oohs that happened in the entire office. And I was like, what? And they said, "Don't you don't want to know. All right, and then real quick before we uh, head out of the injury news here, Will Fuller and Sammy Watkins are both dealing with hamstring injuries. I did hear that Sammy Watkins was believed to be not serious. However, I do not uh, enjoy when players have hamstring injuries. They seem to linger and cause issue for multiple weeks. So, um, Betts, you got anything else quickly there? Uh, fortunately for Will Fuller, he did actually get in a limited practice today, which is a good sign, um, probably indicating that he is on the better end of playing than not, given that usually when he's listed on the injury report with the hamstring injury, which is actually quite often, uh, he usually does not practice on Wednesday. So that is a good sign for his availability on Sunday. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. All right, we're going to move on to the over-under segment. Uh, last week, we did get Okada's 
you know, choices in on the dock uh, so we could see how well he did or did not do. But uh, you guys are lucky. You both beat me this week, so it's a little bit closer race. Uh, you're gonna uh, whoa, whoa. Just to be clear, it's not luck, Kent. It's pure skill. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, let's go over last week's scores. We did kind of like a Browns-related thing where we had Browns players and former Browns, and we had that sweet Browns intro. By the way, did, did you like that, Okada? That was pretty Oh fun, my huh? gosh, I loved it. All right, well, uh, we did go over uh, each position here. And so first up, we had Baker. He was projected at 14.7. We all took the over, and he only scored 12.8. So unfortunately, we're not going to get any points there. Hyde projected at 13.3. He went for uh, 14.1. I took the under, and you two both took the over. So you will get some points there. Uh, We had Josh Gordon in his debut for the New England Patriots. Uh, he was projected for 8.2. He did. Uh, he only scored 4.20, which uh, was kind of kind of. Of course you know, he did. Yeah, with his history, that's kind of a, a funny uh, coincidence. But I took the over. He did not go over, and you guys again both took the under. So you have beaten me once again. Now, this one, this is kind of interesting. On our tight end, we had David uh, Njoku, and he was projected for 7.7. Guess what his fantasy score was? 7.7? 7.7 on the nose. Oh. So that is going to be a push. Uh, I'm just going to award no points for that, and uh, it's a wash. We all had the over, by the way, so I'd say we were close, but it's just going to be a push. Yard? Not one more yard, one more yard. no. So, uh, and up last, we had, again, another former Browns player, Isaiah Crowell. He was projected for 8.6, and he scored a whopping 0.8. So uh, we all took the under, and we nailed that one. So I got one point. You guys both got three. That brings the tally on the season up to 10 for me, 10 for Okada, and 9 for Betts. So, oh, it's a close race. It is. Yeah, it's going to be fun as we get closer to the end of the season. Uh, there might be some strategery involved with our picks uh, at a certain <laughs> point. So let's go over this week's choices for the over-under. I kind of decided to go with some big hitters this week. We've kind of had some uh, lower projected guys uh, that we're you know, kind of deciding. It's kind of boring, so I went for the, the big guns. Uh, and so up first we have you know one of the top quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson. He's kind of had a disappointing start to the year, and he's playing against the Rams but he's projected for 18.4 points. Do you believe he will be over or under? Let's start with Okada. Oh, man. This is tough because you figure that their Rams are going to score a lot and the Seahawks are therefore going to have to throw a lot. But the Seahawks have not really been winning any of their games, and he still has not done well. I think he's topped this total once. So I'm going to, and the Rams are still a good defense, and I think they'll get pressure on him, and I think he'll get sacked, and I think it'll be messy. So. I'm going to take the under for Russell. And I'm, it's very sad because he's pretty much out of the QB1 discussion right now. Yeah. Bets? Yeah, I play in a league who uh, he actually was just dropped in the league, which I was shocked to see his name Ouch. on the waiver wire. But that's his, that just speaks to how bad it's been for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Um, I'm with you, Okada. I'm going to go under. Uh, I think that we saw Kirk Cousins be effective against this defense last week in a shootout, which, holy crap, that was fun to watch. Um but the reason that he was able to get so much uh, production, Kirk Cousins, that is, is because the offensive line protected him to be able to deliver and make throws. That just is not going to happen for Russell Wilson with um, Aaron Donald and Nam Kung Su rushing him and, and putting a lot of pressure on him. So uh, I'm going to go under. I think it's a bad day for that Seahawks offense once again. 
Yeah, boy. Uh, the Rams have just been tough so far. Um, I I want to have this feeling that you know Baldwin is back in a form and that Russ is going to just start being Russ again. Uh, and I know that he's you know he's a good running quarterback, and so he's going to have a really high floor, and he's always like fifteen or above points. All it's going to take is one or two passing touchdowns, really, uh, to make this a day worth starting and being above that. 18.4 so I think I'm actually going to go on the over here I think they kind of find a spot to exploit that defense a little bit uh and you know maybe they'll have all three of their running backs now which apparently Mike Davis is a thing again but uh yeah no I mean this offense has been okay I think they could step forward with Baldwin back in action so I'm going to go over we're going to step up to the running back position and this is a guy we kind of already talked about a little bit today in the news section Alvin Kamara you know, Mark Ingram's back in the lineup. Alvin Kamara is still projected for a whopping 23.7. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, I want to know if you believe he's going to be over or under, and we'll uh, lead off with bets here. I'm going to go with the over with Kamara, which I know is kind of saying a lot, given that the high point total uh, that Yahoo's providing. But uh, I will discuss this in more detail when we get to my sit of the week. I think Kamara is still going to be very effective when he uh, is playing with Mark Ingram. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over. He's done it uh, the four games he's played without him and all of last year for the second half of the year. So I'm going to go over. Okay, this one's tough for me again because I happened to look into it this week and Alvin Kamara's pace, fantasy scoring pace, in non-PPR, which is not even his specialty, he would be second all-time among non-quarterbacks to... Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson's incredible 30-something touchdown season. And in PPR, he would absolutely smash anybody in history, quarterbacks, LaDainian Tomlinson's or not, for the highest-scoring fantasy player ever. Now, that leaves me with two things. One, they almost know that has to regress a little bit. Even I'm not saying he's going to fall out of RB2 range or even RB1 range. He's insane. He's talented. That's obvious. His offense is, is chugging. And then also, Mark Ingram is coming back. I know it's his first week. I think that the Saints' defense is going to be able to hold the Redskins to a little bit less of a shootout than they have been experiencing this year. A little bit better for Ingram. And I'm going to take the under for Kamara this week. Okay, and 23.7, that is just such a huge number. And if you're projecting a guy for over that, you just... It, it's it's a tough bet no matter what. So I think I have to take the under here. Um, and I believe that's all of us for under, correct? So No, no, no. Yeah. I'm going over. Oh, you you went over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, that'll be a I'm good kind of mix I'm going to gain a point on then. you guys this week with that, that bet. See, you gotta you got to make some bold calls like that because uh, otherwise you're never going to be able to catch up if you go with the quote-unquote obvious answer every week. So, um, no, good call there. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. I just I can't bet on someone getting 24 points in fantasy. You know, that's just kind of where I'm at. So let's move on to the wide receiver position. A uh, guy who's had some big weeks so far and a couple of not as big weeks, but Tyreek Hill is projected for 13.2 this week. We've kind of seen Mahomes become a little bit more human uh, recently. So will that continue or will he, you know, explode once again? And will Tyreek be a benefactor? Okada, do you think he's going to be over or under 13.2? Uh, as the resident Tyreek Hill, I don't want to say hater, but anti-truther, 
it pains me to say this, but I'm going to take the over in this one. And the reason is that I think that the Chiefs are still going to have to score. They're still going to put up points. And Tyreek Hill feels like the guy who you can use the most creatively. And if you just attack the Jags man-to-man, straight up, my guy versus your guy, their guys are probably going to win because their defensive backs are insane. But I think they can do some fancy stuff with Tyreek, maybe some of those little pop passes or whatever we're calling them now for a touchdown. And I think Tyreek... A hot potato, there you go. Uh, (laughs) I think he can get his way to just over this number. Yeah, Okada, honestly, man, I had the exact same points as you did once again. Um, You mentioned it. I mean, the matchup on paper looks terrible, but they are at home, and we know that Mahomes is going to be able to put up at least a decent day uh, fantasy-wise. Sammy Watkins is banged up, so there's a chance he potentially may not play. Um, But, you know, even if he does, you can mention the Chiefs are very creative in getting him involved, Um, and I just think that he'll find a way to just squeak over that 13.2 number um, and clear the over. So I will go over as well. Well, I'll tell you what, one thing, uh, Sammy Watkins being kind of banged up and, you know, everything else playing into this, I, I think that Tyreek is going to be the one who ends up being used the most. And I think you're right, Okada. You, you, if you try and play like the normal technical NFL game against the Jaguars, you're going to lose. You have to use Tyreek's insane speed as a way to beat them. You're going to have to go over the top. Uh, try and find you know that one huge play, two huge plays, uh, which Tyreek is well known for, and I think it's going to happen because the Jaguars' defense is uh, tough enough as is. So you got to find those those ways to get around it. Moving over to Thursday night football for our tight end selection, we have Gronk. Uh, he is projected at eleven point four in this matchup against the Colts at home. Uh, do you believe that he will be over or under, resident Patriot fan? Uh, if he plays, which I think that he will, I'm going to take the over here. I think that Julian Edelman's return and Josh Gordon's second week on the field is finally going to give defenses something to cover besides Rob Gronkowski. If you guys have watched any of the Patriots games and just looked over on Gronk's side of the field at the triple or quadruple coverage they've been throwing at him, it's been insane. So that's the reason for Gronk's down scoring. I think he rebounds with a more full offensive weaponry uh, for Brady and gets himself more than 11.4, probably healthily more. I'm going to go with the under and go against what Okada said here. I think that you spoke to it with all the weapons that are there. Edelman coming back, uh, definitely I agree, is going to take a little pressure off Gronk, but there's going to be a ton of weapons to get the ball to just as there always is with this Patriots offense and the thing that I think that takes away from Gronk is mostly the fact that I predict the Patriots are going to win this game handedly when they are playing at home uh, against the Colts so I think a lot of the second half is going to be grinding out the clock with a lot of rushing attempts so I think that he is limited in his upside because of that so I will take the under. Yeah I agree I'm going to take the under here I believe that the Patriots are going to win this game handily but one thing uh, I believe that the Patriots are going to do today now that uh, he's had a couple weeks is I think they're going to showcase Josh Gordon and see what they have in him, uh, see if they had made a worthwhile investment in trading for him. And so, you know, if they are passing the ball, I think it's going to be through Gordon, uh, through Edelman, who's coming back. And I think Gronk and Hogan will kind of be left by the wayside in that factor. And then they'll be running the ball with Sony Michelle. So I say down week for Gronk as well on, on that. 
if Josh Gordon catches a touchdown, by the way, Tom Brady will be number one all time in number of receivers to throw a touchdown to. He's currently tied with 70 different receivers. And if one more guy he has not thrown a touchdown to before catches one, he breaks the all time record. Wow. What what quarterback is he tied with? Vinny know? Testaverde. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, yep. actually, I was not ready for that name. I was, I was, I was expecting more of a of a higher profile name. No, nope. you just uh, got to be really, really old, I guess. I suppose, <laughs> yeah. Just play long enough, and you'll get there. But uh, and Tom Brady has done that. But let's move on to probably the toughest part of this week's over under. You need to pick between Julio Jones and Antonio Brown in the flex spot. Again, a terrible flex question, but we don't care for this segment. So, bets. Who do you want between those two? <laughs> Yeah, flip a coin. Um, I'm going to go Antonio Brown. They're playing at home. We know Big Ben historically is better at home. Um, And for whatever reason, Julio Jones is allergic to the end zone, so Antonio Brown finds the end zone, and therefore he is the better play this week. Uh, Okay, I'm taking Julio Jones, and I'm, I'm planting my flag right here. He scores a touchdown this week. Unless the Falcons are intentionally trying to keep him out of the end zone, this guy Which has they got are. to score. Okada's <laughs> <laughs> dying. We'll give him a moment. but I got him. I'll, I'll just tell you what my vote is here real quick. I'm actually going with Antonio Brown as well. Uh, Julio Jones will probably have a ton of yards, as he always does, and no touchdowns. But I think this is one of those games where AB is going to have like two or three touchdowns for just just roasting this uh, terrible. Well, not actually, they are terrible, but it's because they're injured at Falcons defense. So yeah, I'm excited for AB this week at home, uh, and I think just that's going to end up being more than Julio in this case. So drivers, start your engines all right let's move on to our starts of the week uh let's kick it over to bets right away tell me someone you're excited about for week five i know i'm gonna get a lot of support from okada on this one so okada feel free to jump in with anything that you might have to offer as well i am starting naheem hines this week against the patriots um listen man the reason is because the Colts offense right now is losing a lot of key pieces. No T.Y. Hilton, no Jack Doyle, no Marlon Mack. I've already talked about a little bit earlier how I predict a blowout from the Patriots, so a lot of second-half garbage time. They're going to have to pass the ball a ton. With T.Y. out of the lineup, there is a 21% target share up for grabs, um, and I think a lot of that goes to Hines with these check-down passes. Um, you know, In terms of what the over-under is for this game and the spread, Vegas has it at 10.5 points to the Patriots. So blowout there. Hines has a lot of volume for me. And in PPR formats, um, he is going to be locked in. For me, a must start. There are only five players in the NFL through four weeks that have more targets than Naheem Hines from the running back position. You guys know who they are? Kamara. Um, McCaffrey. Yes. Yeah. No. Yep. What? What? No. What are you? Oh, because oh, that's total. Per total. Because he was on the okay, bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's oh. true. Oh. Uh, wow. James White. Yes. That's two. Wow. Um. God, this is on the spot. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> My RB overall three. Melvin Gordon. Yes. Oh yeah. Um. I'll tell you the last two. Theoretic. Saquon Barkley. That's it. 
Okay. Uh, so the volume has been there for Hines, and I think it's going to continue to be in this game. Um, he's a must-start for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, if you guys, if in, if any of you guys were listening to this pod back in the preseason, you remember me hyping up Naheem Hines like crazy uh, to do exactly what he's doing right now, and so everything Bet says certainly applies in this game. Also, uh, Luck, he he finally threw his hail mary pass, so. Haha ha to you, Betts. He can do it now. They didn't have the Southern Jacoby Brissett. But he's coming off a game where he threw 62 passes, I believe, through into overtime. And he still is, I think, not quite 100%. And what Naheem Hines gives him is a great little checkdown option. Luck has not been chucking it mostly. Uh, and that means that Hines, and I think this is why he's so high in the target count, like you mentioned, I think that means Hines is in line for another big uh, workload here yeah I mean I don't like that we all agree but I definitely agree with this choice I'm starting him uh, in one league in the flex Uh, it's you know half half point uh, per reception so uh, if it's standard I'm I'm hesitant but obviously not many people play in standard leagues anymore so I am excited about Hines this week I think that without T.Y. Hilton they're gonna have to be those short choppy passes and and that plays right right into Hines so Let's uh, let's swing it over to bets. I want to hear who your start of the week is. Uh, I already gave it to you again, Kent. God, <laughs> why am I so bad at this? Okay, Okada. And you know what? And actually, when I saw um, Naheem Hines on the show doc, I totally thought it was Okada, and that's why I wrote I knew it because I thought Okada was going to shout out Hines. <laughs> I was wondering so I'm just how throwing you knew off. I was like, I didn't, I'm just yeah, throwing didn't off all over the place. Today. So, okay, yeah. Okada, start of the week, please. All right, so I'm going to take me some Marvin Jones against the Green Bay Packers. And there's a couple reasons for this. One, he's actually been surprisingly consistent. He's had at least 54 yards in every game this season, and he's caught a touchdown in two of them. He didn't catch one last week, and I think we may, someone may have put him as a sit of the week. Is that true? Yeah. Am I making that up? Yeah, okay, no, there you, you go. Kent, you did, it was Kent me. last week was yeah. the sit of the week. And okay, before so that, uh, he I was made okay. the start of the week. Aha! Uh-huh. When I started uh-huh. him, did not when Kent side him. So, Kyle, yeah. you got to go three for three, man. So, there yeah. you go. You can basically trust us 100% on Marvin Jones. So, start him. <laughs> also, there's this. First of all, the Lions are allowing over 28 points per game to uh, opposing offenses, which means I think this is going to be a shootout. And then the other thing is, Marvin Jones has played the Packers five times in his career. In those five games, he has averaged 101.4 receiving yards and has scored six touchdowns. So apparently, Marvin Jones likes to play against the Green Bay Packers, and I'm going to go ahead and throw him out there this week. Yeah. 101 no. yards in those games. That's crazy, man. Yeah, he likes it. And Is you know the game, fact. Uh, in Detroit? Yes, it is. All right, in the dome. Yeah, that, he does historically helps. play a little bit better there too. So, yeah, man, I like it. I've been I've been higher on Marvin Jones this year. I feel like than most people. I think he's been unfairly um, knocked down a peg. I think that people were expecting him to do what he did uh, a couple years ago and last year, where he was just on this crazy pace, where he just kept scoring and scoring and scoring touchdowns, uh, which we know is not realistic. But yeah, I like him in this matchup, so I'm definitely comfortable rolling him out there. Yeah, I mean, we've we talked like a few times about the Detroit Lions wide receivers and how, you know, you got Kenny Galladay showing up and playing real strong and Golden Tate's going to be constant in the slot and Marvin Jones, uh he's been fine as well. He's had a couple up, couple down weeks kind of and it, at any given time you can 
play any Lions receiver and have an outside shot at having a good week. So in that regard, I'm fine with it because Matt Stafford is a guy who loves to huck the ball. He always has. And uh, yeah, against Green Bay, you know, they have a couple of, of young, talented cornerbacks that they've drafted and have been playing really well. So uh, Detroit's going to have to find a way to get around them. That means using all three of your wide receivers, and I think that'll help Marvin Jones. So I'll move over on to my start of the week, and this one might come at a little bit of a shock to pretty much everyone. Um, But I'm going to start Mohamed Sanu at the Steelers, and everyone's going to say, you know, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Those are the only two startable wide receivers on this team. I tend to disagree. Um, Last week, Mohamed Sanu had, uh, I think it was 111 yards. I'll have to pull it up here and look, but he had an outstanding week. He caught seven balls. Uh, he put up a lot of points, and the fact of the matter is that this game in Pittsburgh has an over-under currently at 57 and a half. Um, there's going to be some points scored. There's going to be some yards caught, and Mohamed Sanu is going to be a benefactor of this. Calvin Ridley has been good. He's caught a lot of touchdowns, but he's only playing around a 50%, 60% snap rate, and Mohamed Sanu is a guy who's had a locked-in role on this offense for a few years now. He's a better blocker than Ridley is, so they keep him on the field uh, for those situations. And he has a better shot at probably getting like eight or nine targets in this game, uh, which could be like six-plus receptions. And I would say, uh, you know, 70 yards a chance for a touchdown is where I'm at with him. And so the reason that I'm saying this is because if you're in a deeper league, you're going to need a guy that you can fill in. You know, you got some bye weeks starting to pop up. Uh, that could affect you. You know, maybe you're without like a Mike Evans or a Godwin or someone of that nature, and you just need a flex person for this week. Uh, take a shot on him. I, he's, you know, he's free. So you've, if you have a, an empty bench spot or a deep bench, uh, you can pick him up and slide him in there. I think he's a fine play this week. I know a lot of people are going to think Ridley, but I'll bet you that Sanu outscores Ridley this week. Uh, no problem. I, like I will. Uh... That is a very bold prediction, and I I feel like Okada, you and I got to step our game up here. I feel like Kent always comes out with these starts and sits, and just says, you know what? I don't care what you all think. I'm doing my thing. I'm telling you to sit high profile guys and start guys yeah. that you would never think to. Uh, so I like it, Kent. Apparently, and by the way, speaking of over unders, I will take the over on that uh, Falcons Steelers over under. They are going to take the I over. Think they could yeah. top sixty. It's going to be oh crazy. My gosh, yeah. So I like it. Uh, I am excited to watch that game for sure. Um, but with that being said... Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. I don't want to hear another word out of you. Sit down! All right, well, uh, since you guys love to hear about how you should start Mohamed Sanu, we should move over to something more exciting. Uh, let's talk about our sits of the week. Let's uh, swing it over to Okada. Tell me who you're sitting down, and you're, you're about to make me real sad. Real All sad. right. Just let yeah. Know. Well, I think I'm going to make Betts a little happy, though, because he wanted us to go a little bolder. And I'm going decently bold here and saying to sit Dalvin Cook, even if he plays, which I believe it looks like he will. I'm going to go ahead and sit him unless you absolutely have to start him. And there's a couple reasons why. One, he has said himself that he's not 100 percent or that he's not feeling 100 percent. And I, I know Betts has said that when a, a player knows himself best. So that's one of the most concerning things to me is not when the coach says, oh, he doesn't know what's going to happen necessarily on game day or Adam Schefter reports this, that, or the other. If Dalvin Cook himself says he's not feeling great, uh, it puts me on a little bit of an edge there. And then the other and main reason is the Eagles' defense. 
they are allowing less than 65 rush yards per game to all running to all players in general and which is first in the NFL and to the running back position in particular they have not allowed a single running back to top 36 rushing yards this year and only one has scored a touchdown Tevin Coleman scored one touchdown over the four games so far so they are absolutely smothering the running game and there's been some decent names it's not like they've played a bunch of Joe Schmoes so I mean Tevin Coleman himself you would expect to get more than 36 rushing yards so I am I sadly by the way because I love Dalvin Cook and you all probably remember how much I love Dalvin Cook and I have him on a lot of teams I'm I'm probably gonna have to sit him myself this week yeah Okada I gotta say man thank you for uh thank you for actually listening when I talk that means a lot (laughs) uh yeah like you mentioned a player is telling you he's not 100 I don't trust it uh he did tweak it a little bit in the Thursday night game which is why they held him out because he had some tightness in the hamstring um so yeah man I I agree the hamstring injury definitely concerns me um then as far as like you talked about with the Eagles defense I'm watching every game. I'm an Eagles fan, and, and the way to beat this defense is definitely through the air, which we've seen week after week with big-time plays. So uh, that rush defense is elite. I don't think Dalvin Cook gets it done this week. Well, I'll tell you what, Okada. I uh, I subbed in for the Fantasy Tilt podcast right before recording this show, and Dalvin Cook was one of my sits of the week as well. Even oh. though I'm a, a scolder myself, I uh, I don't believe that this is a week you want to start Dalvin Cook. I hope you picked up some hot names on the waivers so far through the year because uh, this is not going to be a good week for him. The Minnesota offense has been terrible at running the ball, uh, and not even that, but we we haven't even tried. We're pretty much just throwing the ball and doing nothing else. So uh, stands to favor Kirk Cousins and the receiver gang there, but unfortunately, Dalvin Cook, even Latavius Murray or Mike Boone or Rock Thomas, none of them will have any opportunity uh, at being a good start this week. So I'm with you there. Yeah, even uh, even Laquan Treadwell is getting some run there in, in the Vikings. So that tells oh, you how goodness. much they're actually throwing the ball and, and how prolific that passing attack has been. Yeah. All right. Well, Betts, let's let's swing over to your uh, sit of the week here. Yeah, I teased a little, a little bit earlier when we talked about Alvin Kamara uh, and the Saints' offense. I'm sitting down Mark Ingram this week, uh, and there's a few reasons for that. One is is the obvious one, which is the fact that he's coming off the suspension. So we really don't know uh, what he's going to bring to the table in terms of his uh, his fitness and his his game readiness and his you know his, how in shape he is. Um, the other reason is it's actually a really tough matchup on paper. I know that Vegas likes this from a scoring standpoint that it should be a pretty high scoring game. However, I predict more of a Chris Thompson and Alvin Kamara type of game where it's back and forth, mostly through the air. The Skins are actually doing really well against the run. They're 7th ranked um, in the NFL when it comes to rush yards allowed per game at just a stingy uh, 83. So, you know, given the fact that Kamara has been so effective through the air, uh, for me, I see this as a a situation where if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, I think he will obviously get some run and he will get sprinkled in here, but I predict that he will be uh, very disappointing if you're relying on him to be an effective part of your lineup this week. Uh, unless he finds the end zone, I think he's going to disappoint you. So I'm going to sit him down this week uh, and wait for next week. Yeah, I would say the only troubling part about this is that likely if you are a Mark Ingram owner, uh, you drafted him, and you probably don't have many other options at this point. Considering how disappointing the running back uh, landscape has been in terms of high-profile draft picks, if you didn't get like 
one of the top couple. Uh, there were a lot of misses up there. So you might be forced to start Mark Ingram. But uh, if you do, I agree. Don't feel great about it. But um, he's definitely going to be started. I, I know that much. Yeah, I think the toughest thing to do as a fantasy owner is hold on to these guys for so long. And then you just you think automatically, okay, like I drafted this guy and I know he's going to be out for four weeks. So week five, I have to play him no matter what. Um, I, I definitely hear that side of it. And I actually own Mark Ingram in a lot of leagues because I think he was a great draft value. Uh, I do have to play him in one or two leagues, but I have a couple of other options. For example, uh, I'm playing Philip Lindsay over him uh, moving forward this week in terms of my RB2. Yeah, I think I can get behind that. Um, let's move over to my seat of the week. Uh, unfortunately, it's on Johnson. We've already talked about this a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, if if the coach doesn't decide that he's going to give his most talented running back the ball more, then I really don't trust him to, you know, do that. I mean, I, I think that if you're excited about a player, you're going to at least – try to sound excited I don't think there's any reason to say he's had enough touches uh without being legitimate about it and since Laguerre Blunt is there and they have that Patriot connection uh and apparently Theo Riddick you you actually kind of shocked me when you said that Theo Riddick was getting as many targets as he had uh considering on Johnson's coming to town so uh unfortunately I'm gonna have to sit him down against the Packers this week and uh you know I think Aaron Rodgers is gonna even without maybe Cobb or Geronimo Allison, I think Aaron Rodgers will still find a way to uh, score, and the Lions are going to have to catch back up. And so that's going to mean Carrion Johnson's limited to probably only a handful of carries. And while he does look good when he gets the ball, you you have to get a little bit of promise of opportunity to be able to turn that into a legitimate fantasy day. So uh, if I own him, I'm sitting him down. I'm playing guys like Sony Michelle instead of him. Uh, who I think has a little bit better opportunity this week, you know, Sony something is like that. Have a great game this week, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it's a good week for Sony. Um, but other guys, kind of in that, you know, range where they're just kind of stepping up into new roles. I, I'll, I'll take them over a guy like Carry On this week. Yeah, I like it. I don't blame you. I mean, whenever the coach says he's not going to play his player more, what else can you do? So yeah, I, I agree. You got to sit him down. Again, you would think he would just know what to do and not have to talk about it and he oh look carry on's good i should play him that makes sense but i feel like we should all become coaches in the nfl hey this, that's all, you all have to right do. you just have to look who you have on your team see who's a good player and <laughs> then say put who's them in good. the game and good things happen i don't get it man i don't get it all right well let's move on over to our new segment Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait! Everybody just calm down! Alright, we're gonna talk about panic or patience. We're gonna talk about a couple of guys who you probably drafted uh, fairly high in your drafts this year. You were expecting them to produce, and unfortunately, they haven't done much for you, so. Uh, is it time to panic? You know, are you going to drop them or try and trade them? Or, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of these guys and, and see what we're feeling. So up first on the docket, we're going to talk about Derrick Henry. He was drafted as the running back 18, uh, and he's currently ranked running back 52, which is not good. I, I, I believe that is correct. I believe that is not good. So between him and Deion Lewis. That is correct. Yeah, between him and Deion Lewis, it's – 
it's been kind of interesting. Uh, I expected a little bit more running attempts for Henry, but it just really hasn't come to fruition. So what are you going to do, bets with Derrick Henry right now? I'm in full-blown Michael Scott mode. Uh, panic, 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 for sure, with, uh, with Derrick Henry here. I think that the thing that everyone was relying on in this backfield between the two of them was, you know, a thunder and lightning type of approach where Lewis would be the pass catcher and Henry would be the the bruiser on the ground and find the end zone in the goal line situations. And it just hasn't happened. He has yet to score a rushing touchdown. So uh, I'm in full-blown panic mode, but you can't drop him. And at this point, you really can't trade him. So you kind of have to just hold him and and wait for a, a good week and wait to see what that offense can do moving forward. Yeah, I'm. I lean a little bit more towards the patient side here, which is interesting because I wasn't a huge Derrick Henry fan coming in, but he's actually been getting decent touches. He so in his four games, he's had t- ten rush attempts, then eighteen, then eighteen, both of which were solid, and then eight against Philly, um, who I just talked about being a monstrous run defense. So that was probably a smart choice uh, by head coach Mike Vrabel. Um, and he's also had a few carries in goal-to-go situations, so the the opportunity is there, the touchdown opportunity is there, it just has not quite for some reason panned out for Henry, I think it's going to at some point in the not-too-distant future, uh, so I, I'll preach some patience on this one, and I certainly wouldn't uh, drop him yet. Yeah, I kind of think that... Uh, uh... Derrick Henry is someone who he's just not versatile enough. You know, he he can kind of catch the ball, but it's really not anything, you know, crazy uh, talented as far as that goes. So when he's on the field and they go to give him the ball, it's either run it up the gut and the defense just crashes or it's a play action. And frankly, I just don't see that being enough of a difference to fool the defense. And uh, he's kind of just getting called on his bluff, most likely. So, uh, you know, he's going to get some touchdowns here and there and uh, just by the nature of how big he is and once they get down to goal line situations. But Deion Lewis is catching the ball really well out of the backfield. So uh, they're keeping him on the field quite a bit in games. Uh, and actually, the, the Titans overall have actually looked better than I expected this year. So uh, Henry should get some more looks down the road. I'm more towards patience as well. You guys want to know what's shocking is that he's averaging three yards a carry on the season so far, um, but he himself is a monster, and he is basically three yards tall, which not really because that's nine feet, but he should be able to just fall forward and average more yards than that. Uh, I don't get it, man. He He's going to be out of this league sooner than later. Uh, he's just not getting it done. Yeah, well, let's let's move on to the next guy on the list here. Let's talk about Kenyon Drake over in Miami. He's currently uh, ranked running back 36. He was drafted as the running back 16. I think a lot of people had running back one aspirations uh, and kind of hoping that Frank Gore would just be there to help him out and be his, his mentor. But Frank Gore, the undying man, has come back again to steal carries from another promising running back. So how, how do you guys feel about this, patience or panic? Uh, have you guys ever seen the Disney version of Hercules? Yes, yes, I have. Okay, there was, you know, Hades had those little demon guys and their names were Pain and Panic or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I don't and recall that exactly, but I know what you mean. The little skinny blue guy was named Panic and he was freaking out all the time. That's me. <laughs> That's me with Kenyon Drake. And 
it's I'm not sad about it because I preached this all off season. I hated Drake from a fantasy perspective. I wrote an entire article about it for the fantasy footballers. He for some reason they don't want to use him properly or at all. Um, and when he has gotten very, very little usage, he hasn't even looked as good as he looked last year. So I am completely off. I even think Drake is potentially droppable, although with the running back landscape that you have, he, you may as well just stash him if you have a deep enough bench just in case, but I'm all hands off. Yeah. I mean, don't do anything crazy. I don't think, I don't think you can drop him yet. No, Uh, I I was going to say that too. I was gonna say you should at least try to trade him. Someone somewhere what, for what? will. No, I'm I'm telling package you, people him. package him up with a, a two for one deal or a three for two, three for one, to see if you can get at least some value out of him. Because I agree, Okada. Uh, I don't know what you said the other character's name was, but whoever the other one is in terms of the panicker, <laughs> I am also Pain. on board with this. Pain. I think I so. Pain- Okay, it pains me to watch Kenyon Drake play football because they don't use him. Uh, 14 carries, 11 carries, 5 carries, and then 3 carries last week. What is happening with this offense? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, man, it's it's tough to watch. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm panic on, on Drake, definitely. So, And if there's any listeners out there that could potentially put together uh, maybe an image of Okada's mm, face on true. his character... That would be phenomenal, and please tweet that <laughs> at our account at RedshirtsFFPod. Hundred percent. <laughs> yes, I would love that. Uh, let's let's move on to the next guy on the list here. We got a couple more before we wrap up the show. Uh, let's talk about Michael Crabtree. Now his ADP was wide receiver twenty six, so he wasn't like a super high pick, but I think a lot of people were hoping for another one of those like ten touchdown years because that's what he's known for doing, uh, and he's over with the the Ravens now. But he's currently ranked uh, wide receiver 49, so there's definitely a little bit of concern. If you try to start him, it's obviously been disappointing so far. John Brown has kind of shown uh, that he can still play and play very well. He looked good uh, in the most recent game on Sunday night, right? And, uh, yeah, I think that there's a reason that Crabtree hasn't been able to get it done is he's never really been crazy efficient on his receptions he's always just kind of been a good red zone target and uh, currently Willie Sneed is actually outperforming him uh, a little bit you know Crabtree has 35 targets but he's only turned that into 19 receptions and 192 yards Uh, Sneed has gotten 14 more yards on looks like eight less receptions or excuse me eight less targets so and the same number of receptions. I think Snead's wow. going to soon emerge as the number two here. Um, and, you know, maybe Crabtree's still used in, like, the red zone, as he's known to do. But uh, if you're looking for someone outside of John Brown on the Ravens, I bet Snead is soon uh, the name people look to. So I am panic on Crabtree. I did not realize he was having that bad of a year that Willie Snead was outproducing him um, in the offense. So, yeah, that's kind of shocking and definitely disturbing for sure. Um, I think I'm a little more willing to kind of wait and see what happens there. Not necessarily because I think that um, he's shown a lot. I think it's because of the fact that he has had a few drops, and if he can correct the drops, he's going to outproduce what he's done so far, making him startable and definitely worth holding um, to be a fill-in player on bye weeks. But outside of that, I agree. I'm, I'm pretty lukewarm on Crabtree right now. Uh, not to toot my own horn, but I went back and looked at my preseason ranks, and I had him at wide receiver 47. He's currently okay. wide receiver 49. So, you know, just uh, accuracy. Just to toot, like to have toot accuracy the horn a little. Here on the podcast. Um, 
Uh, also, the the Ravens love their tight ends, and Hayden Hurst is coming back this week. So if anything, Crabtree's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if anything, Crabtree's targets might go down a little bit. So yeah, I'm pretty panicked on him. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about real quick Larry Fitzgerald. He is, uh, or he was drafted as the wide receiver 14. He's currently ranked wide receiver 67. Guys, you already know my stance on this. I kind of saw this coming. Uh, you know, eventually it was going to happen, and unfortunately, this is the year Bradford has been was was pretty bad. Their offensive line was pretty bad. Rosen's been looking promising, but still pretty green. So. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say patience. I, I, I predicted this a while ago. Uh, so I guess I'm panic, although I don't have any shares of fits to panic on. So what, what are you guys thoughts? Do you think he has a chance to turn it around? No, unfortunately, it makes me very sad to say that, but, uh, no, I don't really think that there is a chance. Um, Josh Rosen obviously is, is a rookie quarterback. Um, and I said that if there was going to be one thing that w- would resurrect his season, it'd be the fact that he would rely on Fitz as a security blanket. Um, and granted, it was just one game, so it's a very small sample size. But uh, the offense is anemic. They cannot move the ball. They're the worst offense in the league in terms of scoring. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm hands off with Fitz. And actually, I dropped him in a league today, which was very, very hard to do. But I think it's time. Yeah, the, I would say that that's pretty fair to, ju- to drop him at this point. The one thing I'll say is I think maybe he's been a little bit less than 100%. Uh, for these past few weeks, so monitor his health, and if we we hear at some point down the road that he feels a hundred percent, and then we see him have a decent game, maybe it's time to pick him back up again. But for now, it looks like we might have finally run our course with the goat. Yeah, and then real quick, uh, let's wrap this up with Keenan Allen. He was wide receiver six in drafts. He's currently wide receiver thirty-seven. Uh, this one's easy for me, and it's patience, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious why. I think this offense is very good, and I think his days will come. It's just been kind of some unfortunate events so far. So I'm I'm waiting on Keenan Allen. Yeah, I'm a, I'm 100% on board with you there. All the patience on Keenan Allen. He's one of the best receivers, honestly, in the league. And he's had, you know, respectable games, just not wide receiver one games since week one. So I think that'll bounce back shortly, and you you'll be fine starting him every week. Yep, definitely. One of my favorite trade targets right now at this point in the season. Uh, his price tag will never be lower than it is right now. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, we, let's go through a couple of quick mailbag questions we had here. Uh, let's, uh, we, we're kind of running short on time, so we'll, we'll answer all these questions. We'll kind of keep our answers uh, or explanations short. But up first, we have at, uh, let's go with Lejandro Franco. I'm going to go with that. Uh I understand the value of running backs in fantasy, but should I drop Derrick Henry for Naheem Hines? Two guys we've already talked about today, so I think uh, we can just answer pretty quick here. Okada? In full PPR, yes. In non-PPR, no. And in half PPR, drop them both and run away. I was really hoping you'd just (laughs) say maybe for the last one. (laughs) I don't know what to do in half PPR. I'd have to think about it. It it kind of depends. I I agree with you 100% there. In PPR, Hines is the guy, and otherwise... Uh, I don't want anything to do with either of these situations. If my running backs are abysmal and I need a win now, um, I'm getting Naheem Hines. Uh, and that's gross to say, but I think he has a better shot in the next couple weeks to help me out. Up next, we have a question from at K underscore Riggs 808. 
He says, what's your opinions on Jamal Williams? With his underwhelming performances so far this season and Aaron Jones looking like a running back to start, would it be okay to drop him and pick up someone like Donta Foreman off waivers? Uh, wait and see what happens when he comes off the pup. Bets, what do you think? Uh, I'm okay with dropping Jamal Williams. It's obvious that Aaron Jones is the running back to own in Green Bay. Uh, however, I don't think picking up Donta Foreman is the right move here. Uh, obviously, he's coming off the Achilles injury, which is one of the toughest injuries to come back from. There really hasn't been any news about Donta Foreman coming back. So, you know, it's going to be one of those things to keep monitoring. But I'm okay dropping Williams. Just go get someone else off of waivers that's not Donta Foreman. I want... 100% agree with bets there. That's exactly my thoughts. And I would specifically try to go and get some kind of a high upside opportunity running back where if something happened in front of him, not necessarily even a handcuff, quote unquote, but someone like that, maybe a Nick Chubb, even a Spencer Ware, I added. Uh, guys like that, that you if you have a roster spot that you're opening because you're dropping someone else, you can pick somebody up who, if their guy gets hurt on Sunday, you suddenly have an RB1. Yeah, I uh, I'm dropping Jamal Williams, and I think Donta Foreman's gonna be someone who gets picked up soon. So I'm actually going to say yes for Foreman. Uh, I think he's worth holding on to. Lamar Miller's been okay, but I think uh, Foreman is a little bit more dynamic. Let's move on to a question from at Albflow Eight, and this is a quick and easy one: Flex spot Hines or Baldwin in PPR? A lot of Hines today. Crazy that we're saying this, but I'm gonna go Hines here. Yeah, my start of the week. I'm going Hines as well. Uh, and I'm going to be contrarian and say Baldwin. I think that uh, Baldwin back in a full game flow, I think he'll be he'll be fine this week, even though uh, it's kind of a tough spot. Did you take the over on Russell Wilson? Uh, I did not. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, whatever, I'm going to stick to it. But <laughs> uh, And then our last question uh, is from good friend of the show, at John Bosch FF. Uh, this is a this is kind of like a general question. Sundays, would you rather go to an NFL game and basically miss everything else, or watch at home and enjoy them all, a la the Red Zone Channel? This is highly dependent for me on whether you live in the city of your favorite football team, because I do not want to go. I don't. I, I don't want to miss all of that lovely fantasy action and the beauty of television if it's just a couple football teams but if it's my team that is a completely different story and I would miss everything to see my team on the field of course it doesn't matter for me at all because I work so (laughs) I uh I would love to watch games in person more often um I just love the experience of being there in person the pregame theatrics the atmosphere of you know the crowd and people around you and, and all that kind of stuff um, I will say that decision for me changes a lot as the calendar turns towards December when it is miserable to sit outside and watch a football game in 15 degree weather. Uh, but if I can watch the Eagles in person, I will do it 100% of the time. Well, I tell you what, I'd love to go watch the Vikings in person, but they got this nice bright, shiny new stadium and ticket prices are redonkulous. So uh, for that reason alone, I do not go to many games. Uh, I went to one a couple years ago when we were in a temporary. Actually, it was the Gophers uh, Stadium. Uh, I went to one game there. But I, I do like watching all the games. I like keeping track of all the stories and you know things going on during the day. So, um, But I, I, 
I got to get out to the new, new stadium at some point and watch those Vikings play there. Well, with that, we'll uh, go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, we introduced that new segment for you. Hope you had fun with it. I like the uh, sound bite. Uh, that was courtesy of Betts this time. But, again, one of my favorite shows. So, uh, oh, well done, That's Betts. A top five, top five scene for me in all of uh, TV sitcoms. True. Yes, absolutely. And uh, make sure you go out and listen to the other podcasts uh, under the Fantasy Authority tree. We have, of course, the DFS Degen Nation. They've been out there trying to help you win some money on DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, Draft. There's a whole bunch of places now you can play DFS, so give them a listen. Uh, and then Dynasty Life is going strong. They're year-round, and they uh, they got some good information on you for the Dynasty League. So thank you for listening, and once again, we'll see you next week. We will be, and we are, the Red Shirts. <laughs> <laughs>